Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, welcome again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. If you're here for the first time, we're just so glad that you're here. Now listen, whoever has been praying for cold weather and snow, please stop. All right. That's all we're going to ask. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to do anything crazy. But if you're praying for cold weather, you can kind of let up on that. But my name is Scott, and we are in a series right now that Cody kicked off last Sunday called Transform. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at things that God desires of us to transform in our lives or to change in our lives. And if you think about it, this, this is the best time of year to change, right? The beginning of the new year, you know, the new month. A lot of people make goals and New Year's resolutions. But, you know, have we ever thought about, you know, what is it that God desires to change in me? And so we're going to have a key verse through this entire series that we're going to look at just briefly every week, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And if you want to follow on with our notes, there's a QR code that on the side screens you can scan. It'll put those notes onto your phone, or you can download the Church Center app, or you can just uh, simply follow along with the side screens. But Romans 12.2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we talk about this a lot you know, if you want to change something in your life, if you want to transform something, you can't go straight to the action, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right here. You have to back up, the Scripture says, and you have to renew your mind. Or as the New Living Translation says, you have to change the way you think. Because everything starts with our thinking, right? How, you know, how we think determines how we feel, and how we feel determines our actions. So you can't just start at the action stage. You got to go all the way back to how you think about things. And, and listen, this, this transformation we're talking about, it's not a negative thing. Transformation, change in our life, especially when we become what God desires for us to be, it, it's a good thing, right? We can transform from insecure to secure. We can transform from empty to full or transform from, you know, fearful to courageous or prideful to humble, but it's really simply about being all that God wants us to be, to getting, getting the most out of this life that God has given us. And I think if we're going to transform anything, and, and of course in this series we're going to be talking about different things we can transform, we have to be close to the Lord. And I know some of you, you don't have a relationship with Christ yet, and that's okay. You know, keep asking questions, uh, keep searching, keep seeking. But if you do, in order for us to change, we have to be walking close to the Lord. I know there's been times in my life when I have not been as close to the Lord as I should have been or I was, you know, in a previous time period, and things just are worse, aren't they? It's like our problems and our difficulties, our struggles just seem that much bigger and a lot harder to deal with because God's not 
right there beside us. We're not walking close to him. So the closer we are to God, the easier it is for us to be able to transform these things that we're talking about. And you see this all through the scripture. You see this through the Bible. Look at uh, the apostle Paul, right? Here's a guy who was a religious zealot. He hated anybody that wasn't like him. He persecuted Christians, but then he met the Lord, right? And what happened? He became a person full of love of Christ and full of the desire for other people to know Christ's love for them. Think about uh, Elijah in the Old Testament, discouraged, depressed. He meets with God, and all of a sudden, he's this courageous person ready to do whatever it is that God desires for him to do. That's what transformation looks like. And it happens when we're closer to God. It happens quicker. Uh, Moses, in the Old Testament, he was physically transformed. It wasn't just his mind. He was physically transformed after he met with God. Remember, you know, he appeared before the Israelites and they couldn't even look at him because his face was so, so bright. He was transformed, physically transformed in that moment. That's what God can do for us. But the closer we are to him, the easier that's going to be. And I I, I truly believe all of us that are on our online campus and here, we want to be closer to God. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have tuned in today if we truly didn't desire to become all that God desires for us to become in our life. So if the closer we are to God, the easier it is for us to transform. How do we get close to God or how do we stay close to God, or if we've never had a relationship with God through Christ, how does that all play out? And that's what we are going to look at. I think all of us could probably point to a time in our life when we'd say, you know, I remember when I was the closest to the Lord. And maybe that for you, that time period is right now. You know, you, you can feel God's presence. You can feel his fellowship. You can, you can feel his friendship. Others of us, we can remember that time maybe, but we're not there right now. So how do we get back to that? And and those are the questions we're going to try to answer today. And the good news is there's a story in the New Testament that Jesus told, a very popular story on a pathway to our heavenly father or a pathway back to our heavenly father, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And you can look at this passage of Scripture for literally countless things in our life, but usually when we look at this passage of Scripture, we focus on the two sons in the story, but it's also referred to as the story of the loving father, because the father in this story is a picture of our heavenly father. And so what I want to do is we'll focus a little bit on a couple of the things that that the younger son did, and then we'll focus on the father. But I want to read the entire story. And then what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll start to to dissect it a little bit. But it's found in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there 
he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and is now found. So the party began. Now, I love this story. And for a lot of us, this is the story of our life. How we, you know, at times in our life, we've tended to walk away or wander away from our Heavenly Father who made us. We have that in us. There's just times we just, we have this, we just wander away from God, the God who created us, the God who loved us. And if you look at this kid, he starts off and he says, Dad, I want what's mine now. I want what's coming to me, and I want it now. He's living, he starts out, and he's living a very selfish life, right? It's all about me. I want what's mine. God, give me what's mine right now. That's the way a lot of us start our lives off. You know, we're young. We want everything. We want it now. We don't want to wait. Hey, God, give this to me right now. So, He takes off and he wastes everything, and he becomes homeless. On top of that, the Scripture says there's a famine in the land. Nobody's got any food. He doesn't have anything to eat. He gets desperate, and he takes a job feeding pigs. And for a Jewish man, that was just a no-no. They weren't allowed to be around pigs. That was against the Jewish laws you know, it's against everything that a Jewish person was about. So he takes this job, this low-level job feeding pigs. But the Scripture says he gets hungry, right? And he gets desperate. And he finally comes to his senses, and he comes up with this plan. I'm going to return to my father, who I've wandered away from, and I'm going to apologize, and I'm going to ask him to be his servant. He knows he doesn't deserve his father's love, right? He's, he's, he's wasted everything that the father's given him. And we know the rest of the story in the father's response because we just read it, and we'll look at that in a minute. But I think from this story, we can gain several things where we can get back to our heavenly father. 
No matter where we're at on the, on the spiritual journey, we can get as close to our Heavenly Father as possible. And listen, I don't, I don't know where you're at today. A, a lot of you have had this similar experience. You've strayed away from God, but maybe you found your, your way back. Or, or maybe today you'd say, hey, Scott, I'm as far away from God as possible. I don't have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. I haven't been to church in years and years. Or maybe you've only been away from the Lord. Maybe you've only wandered away for a couple weeks or a couple months. It doesn't matter. These are the things we need to do to get back to the Lord, no matter how close or how far we are, so that that process of change that he wants to do in our life happens easier. That transformation happens easier. So learning number one, here's the first thing I think we need to do. To get close to God, we have to abandon the direction that we're heading. In other words, we got to get tired of our circumstances, right? We got to get tired and frustrated with the way we've been living that's so far from the way that God desires for us to live. We got to come to the point we say, you know what, I'm not living this way anymore. Regardless of what I've done, regardless of what's happened, I'm going to make amends and I'm going to change direction. That's what the son did. He finally came to his senses. And what we got to realize, nothing will ever change in our life or, or nothing's going to transform in our life until we are dissatisfied with the way things are going right now that are opposite of that transformation that needs to happen in our life. Until we say, you know, I'm tired of being so far away from God, nothing's going to change. I think we're just like this son in the story. We have to get desperate. We have to get desperate for that relationship with the Lord. We have to get hungry and ready to change. You know, he wasted everything that the father had given him. He had nothing left. That was the point he decided, I'm changing direction. This wild living, this, this living I thought was going to be so great, living on my own, I'm changing direction. That's where the process started for this young man to transform when this happened in his life. And so the first thing, we got to come to our senses. I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. So let me ask you this question, and I'm not looking for, for an answer. I just want you to think about it. But have you come to your senses? And if we haven't come to our senses yet, nothing's going to change. God will leave us kind of wallowing in that misery until we get tired of living that way. And that, that sounds kind of cold, doesn't it? But listen, I'll tell you all the time, God loves you just the way you are. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life, God loves you just the way you are. But he also loves you so much, he's not going to leave you there. He does not want you or me to waste what he's given us like this son did. Right? Your gifts, your abilities, your talents, he's not going to let you waste those. But until you come to your senses, you're just going to stay right where you're at. And maybe because of your circumstances today, where you find yourself at in life today, maybe God's using those circumstances to try to get your attention. 
Just think about that. As we go through, some of, some of us, maybe we've lost a job, or we've lost a good friend, or we've lost our marriage. Maybe, just maybe, God is going to use that pain in our life to get our attention. Everything God does in our life is out of love, but He will use anything and everything to get our attention because He does not want us to stay where we're at. So the first step is, you know what? I'm tired. I'm frustrated with living the way that I'm living. I'm frustrated with the direction I'm going. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So we have to be all in in desiring that relationship with God, right? Pursuing him to find him. He's not going to reveal himself to us if we're not all in and if we don't really want to know him. But the first step is we got to get tired of the direction we're going and tired of being so distant from God. Here's the second thing, learning number two. You can write this down. To get close to God, we have to own our own sin. That's the second thing this this young man did. When he came to his senses, he owned his sin. He said, I'm going to go home to my father and say, hey, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Nothing's going to transform in our life. Nothing's going to change in our life until we own our part. We need to own up to the fact, yeah, God, I've been over here and I've been living my life the way I've wanted to live it and not the way that you want me to live it. And these are the things that, I'm do- that I've done. We got to own up to how we've been living. Isaiah 59 2 says, But your inequities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Ouch. That's tough. But have you ever felt like your prayers were going nowhere? You know, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and it's like they're just bouncing on the ceiling, that God's not anywhere to be found. What could that be? That possibly, according to this scripture, could be our sin is separating us and God's not hearing because we haven't owned up to it. We haven't owned up to the fact we're going down a path that God doesn't want us to go down. And we can't blame that on anybody else, can we? My sin is my sin. I can't push that off on anybody else, but I just need to own it. I need to own up to it and say, you know what, God? I have not been doing what you want me to do in this area of my life. I went my own way. I went my own direction. I went to my own little area. And there's a great prayer I think we can pray when when we're owning our sin. It's not that we're not forgiven. We need to own it. If we have Christ, we're forgiven. But a great prayer to pray is the prayer that King David prayed after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he didn't just commit adultery with Bathsheba, he also killed her husband, Uriah, trying to cover up his sin. And then he finally comes to his senses and he owns it. And it's Psalm 51 verse 4. It's a great model prayer. David says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. 
I've done what's evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. He recognized his rebellion. He acknowledged his sin. He owned it. And when we do that, what does God do? He purifies us, the Scripture says. If we have Christ, he forgives it. We just need to own it. I'm, I've been living this way. I don't want to live this way and move forward. And I think a great way to kind of keep a check on the sin in our life is to do a regular spiritual checkup. And do that spiritual checkup where? In your mind, right? Because everything starts with our mind, how we think. I mean, we get regular checkups from doctors, right? Well, some of you, you get a yearly physical, you know, uh, a yearly mammogram. We go to the dermatologist once a year. Isn't the dermatologist in the winter the worst? You know, I, I always go in January, and they, they bring you in, and they put you in a room that's 58 degrees Fahrenheit. They make you strip off all your clothes, and they give you what's called a robe. It's like a child's apron for the kitchen, right? <laughs> then they set you down on a cold vinyl table, and you wait. Okay, I digress, but why do we do that? Why do we go through that pain? Why do we schedule that yearly physical with our doctor, that regular mammogram? Why do we do that? Because we want to know about a problem in our life sooner than later. Because the sooner the doctor, the dermatologist identifies that, the quicker they can do something about it, right? Sometimes we let things sit in us and we never get checked. And by the time we get to the doctor, it's too late. It's the same way in our spiritual life. We should keep a regular checkup, if you will, a regular physical on our spiritual health. We examine our mind. You know, God, where am I off track? Where have I not done the things that you've asked me to do? Where is it that I'm falling short? Constantly examining our minds. If we're going to be transformed by renewing our mind or changing the way we think, that's where we have to do our spiritual checkup. And I don't think it's crazy at all. I put everything on my calendar, everything, because I am very forgetful, and I got a lot of things going on. Put it on your calendar. Do it once a month spiritual checkup. It'll take, literally, it'll take you two or three minutes. It's not a long process, but do a regular reoccurring spiritual checkup. And a, and a great, again, we want to know about sin in our life sooner rather than later so we can do something about it. Good verse that'll help, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And you identify something that's off track. Wait a minute. I don't have to give in to that. I'm a new person. I have Christ living in me, in me. I don't have to listen to that old nature. I don't have to listen to those old impulses. Here's another one that helps me, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. That's what we're doing, a spiritual checkup, to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. So to get close to God, I get tired of the direction I'm heading, frustrated with where my life is and how far away I am from God. Then I own my sin, I hold myself accountable, and then here's the last thing, learning number three. To get close to God, we have to completely surrender our lives to Christ. 
That's the third thing the son did. He surrendered to his father. Please take me on as a servant, he said. He surrendered, in other words, to doing things his father's way again instead of his own way. He surrendered to his father's plan instead of his plan uh, that failed miserably. And really what it was is it was a change of attitude for the son, wasn't it? Think about it. We said at the very beginning, he started out, give me, give me. He started out living very selfishly, very self-centered, but then he comes to his senses and he moves from selfish to selfless. He moves from self-centered to God-centered. From I'm calling the shots, I'm throwing the parties, I'm doing what I want to do, to being his father's servant. And isn't that what we're called to be? A servant of Christ? We're not calling the shots. We are his servant. When we can get to the point When we move from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, that starts the process of transformation, right? That starts the process of being able to change. So I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are are we there yet? Or am I still at the give me stage? It's about me. I want what's coming to me now. God, what can you do for me? If we're still at that stage, again, nothing It's going to change, but when we can surrender ourselves to Christ and being Christ's servant, hey, Jesus, you make me what you want me to be, not what I want to become, then we've started that process of change, allowing God to transform those things in our life. The whole goal of life, and I tell people, this is a test run for eternity, The time you accept Christ, and I know not everybody's here yet, but if you've accepted Christ, till the time you breathe your last breath, we should be becoming more and more like Jesus, right? Looking more and more like Jesus. That only happens if we allow God to transform us. And and some of the things we're talking about in this series, you know, it it may be overwhelming. It's not going to happen overnight, right? It's a daily process. I want to become more like Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. It's daily habits and daily progress. Nobody ever gets to where they get to overnight. It takes time. It takes maybe training. It takes education. So don't get discouraged. Just know I got to do this every single day. Certainly, God is still working on me on this one, you know, for me to surrender completely to him, I'm sure he's still working on you. It's going to take our entire lives to get this right. The key is, have we surrendered to Christ and have we opened ourselves up and allowed God to start the process of transformation, the process of becoming like Jesus? 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. The starting point is what this prodigal son did, the steps he took. And after we do this, the story tells us how God's going to respond, filled with love and compassion. 
he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The moment that you and I can just say, Lord, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living, he's going to meet us wherever we're at. He, the, the scripture says he ran to meet the son. And I'm telling you what, if you're not there yet, God is waiting for that moment in your life. Or he's waiting for that moment for you to come back to him. And he's going to run out and meet you. He's going to take the initiative. He's going to throw his arms around you. He's going to say, Scott, man, you really, really blew it, but I love you. And he's going to say, bring the sandals, bring the robe, bring the ring. Which, you know, we kind of skim over that part when we look at this passage of Scripture. That ring was like a credit card. You know, you go off to college and and dad gives you the credit card. Don't use this in emergencies, right? Tots is not an emergency. But that's what it was like, right? And, and they would press that ring into wax on a piece of paper, and it would signify I'm purchasing this or this is the agreement we, we've made. But it's a picture for us that God restored absolutely everything to this son. If we've wandered away and we come back, he doesn't hold anything against us. We come to him the first time. He's not holding a grudge because of the sin in our life or the bad things we've done. He forgives us, and he literally pours out the absolute best for us. That's what that is drawing a picture for us of. How awesome is that? Listen, God, I'm here to tell you, no matter where you're at on the faith journey, God has a better plan for your life than you have for your life. You just don't know it yet. It's kind of like uh, those of you that have kids. If you got kids and they're young kids and you take them out to a restaurant, I could just about bet that they either order the chicken fingers or they order the little mini pizza, right? Because they don't know there's anything better on the menu. They think chicken fingers is the best thing in the world. But then what happens, we get older, we go out to eat, and we look at that menu like, holy cow, there's a lot better things on this menu. Most of you aren't ordering chicken fingers when you go out to eat now because there's something better we didn't even know about when we were a kid. So if you knew that God had a better plan for your life than the life you're living right now, wouldn't you want to know about it? Heck yeah. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm living the good life now, Scott. And, and you might be, right? Even in our country, the poorest of the poor usually have basic needs met, like food and clothing, not necessarily shelter, but, and, and it's an okay life, but we weren't meant to live an okay life. We weren't even meant to live the good life. We were meant to live the great life that only comes through Christ, that is only offered through Christ. And once we come home to our Father and we realize how good and gracious and loving and kind and forgiving He is, we want to live differently. We want to live for Him. We want to serve Him. We do everything for Him. And again, I know not everybody's crossed that line of faith, but if you have, the Scripture says it's a celebration from now on. That's how this story ended. It literally ended with the party. The father celebrated when the son came back home. So many people think and 
you know, shame on well-meaning church people and churches in the, in the past who have told people, but so many people think that, well, you know, I, I've done so much wrong, there's no way that God would ever love me now. I've sinned so much, I've done this, I've done that, there's no way God's going to love me. Listen, anytime we come to God, there's not condemnation. It's a celebration. He's waiting for that moment that we come to him for the first time or we come back to him. That's why he sent Jesus. He wants us to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe today for you is the day you come home. Or maybe for you it's the day that you come back home. God's just waiting. This father in the story is a perfect picture of our heavenly father and how much he loves us. Let's pray together. God, when we think of your your goodness, your grace, your love to us, quite frankly, we're overwhelmed. Lord, and, and, and the fact that you even want or desire a relationship with us, how you welcome us into your home or, or back home, no matter what's happened, no matter what's going on. Lord, that's why you sent Jesus, to pay for every single bit of our sin. And maybe you're at home today with our online campus or you're here and you're ready to come home to God. I'm just going to encourage you, open your heart to him. Open your heart to Jesus. He's the one that makes us right with our heavenly father. He's the one that God sent for each of us. Just open your heart to him. Just pray from the quietness of your heart. Hey, Lord, I know I've been living my life my way. I know I've been calling the shots and going in the direction that was going to satisfy me. But I realize that's not the way to go. That's only a way to waste everything that you've given me. I want to invite you into my life. I want to be your servant. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. You pray as we're praying that prayer. Scripture says there's a party going on in heaven when you cross the line of faith. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but maybe you've been away from God. You haven't been listening to the direction he wants your life to go. You've been kind of doing things a little outside of the way he desires for you to live. Just come back home. Hey, God, I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I acknowledge I've done this. I acknowledge this sin in my life, whatever it is, and just completely surrender to him. Lord, we want to be your servants. I thank you so much that you even let us be a part of what you're doing on this earth. Where our businesses take us, where our relationships take us, that you let us be your representative, your ambassadors, your servants. That that blows us away. Lord, help us to be faithful in our responsibility. Help us to help other people to see who you are, Jesus, and the love you have for them through everything that we do. God, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Just a couple quick things before uh, we go. Do me a favor. If you invited Christ in your life for the first time, first of all, Congratulations. That's the absolute best decision 
you will ever make in your life. If you would fill out that connection card through that church center app or QR code, or just stop by the hub and say, hey, I accepted Christ. I promise you, I will not show up on your doorstep for a visitation. It's too cold for one. And number two, we don't do that. But I will send you some stuff in the mail that will help you on your next right steps. Hey, what's my next step on this journey with Jesus? So if you do that, that would be great. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that online or in the boxes in the back. But next Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we're having our next partnership class at Blue Ridge Church. And we, we may need to come up with a better name. It's not really a class, but I will uh, meet with the folks that come just to kind of explain who we are as a church. I think it's very important before you get too involved and too deep into a church, you know what that church is about. You know what that church's mission is and that church's vision is and what God's called that church too. So in that class, we discuss style, structure, strategy of Blue Ridge Church, why we do the things we do, why the pastor is so young. Well, you know, you'll get, you'll get some education on things like that. Uh, it is no test at all, but if you've never done that and want to sign up, you can do that at the hub or on that connection card. We'll have pizza and childcare available. This Sunday, today, right after the 11 o'clock service, if you've been trying to discern if you're going to lead a group, what's involved in leading a group, questions about, you know, what do I need to do? I'm kind of considering there's no obligation, but Cody will have pizza. That's all we eat around here. He'll have pizza as well, but just to sit down with you for 45 minutes to an hour to kind of explain the whole group structure and what it looks like to lead a group. It's not a lot involved, and it's a great way to help other people to grow on their spiritual journey. Listen, I so appreciate you being here today, taking time out of your schedule. Grab a friend uh, next week as we continue this series, but I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon and a great week. God bless you guys.